Hi, I'm your host, Susan Nay. Welcome to the podcast series, HR Inside Out. It's a series designed to help you demystify HR and the human resource processes. We're going to talk about people management and get the goods on and see how all this stuff works. You're going to hear from everyday heroes and get their perspectives as we touch on a wide variety of topics, topics that impact us in our work and in our work environments. You'll find nuggets for your treasure chest of learning. Hopefully you'll discover insights for your personal and your professional growth. I'm glad you're here. I suspect it's because you want to be the very best version of yourself, your personal best, and that you get understanding these systems and processes will help you on your journey, on your path. You ready to dare to soar? Want to join me at flight school? Let's do this. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, welcome to the podcast series, HR Inside Out, demystifying HR and people management. I'm really fortunate to have as a guest on today's session, Debbie Comas. She's a retired CAO with the city of Parksville on Vancouver Island. Now that's off the coast of British Columbia for anyone who doesn't know where, where Vancouver Island is. I had the opportunity to work with Debbie and the city of Parksville for a little over a year. And I was always really impressed with how people loved to work with Debbie. She's demonstrably passionate about creating a vibrant work culture. And she knows how the building of strong teams within our organizations really contributes to that goal. Now, Debbie's worked at several organizations over her career, all within local government. She's built teams and she's experienced change in leadership and or government mandates. And she's seen the impact of those on our teams and on our organizations. Debbie, thank you for joining me here today. You're welcome. It's my pleasure to be here. So when I mentioned this podcast series to you, and, and some of the themes that I was, was hoping to, um, to talk about, and one of those being corporate culture, you expressed interest in being able to speak on the team aspect of corporate culture. I thought we'd start there. Why, why is this important to you? Well, because I think a good corporate culture um, sets the tone for the organization. It allows people to grow and be the best that they can be when they're working. If you have an engaged and happy, productive workforce, you've got everything your organization needs to be successful. Because at the root of everything, the organization is only as good as the people. And the people respond to the environment that's created for them to work in. And so corporate culture and teams are huge contributors to that environment. Oh, I, I so I think they're critical. Yeah, I so agree with you, specifically teams. Because yes. uh, obviously, as individuals working within our organizations, um, you specifically said teams. Um, so can you elaborate a little bit on that part, too? Well, I have a bit of a pet peeve that people use the term team quite loosely and freely. Hmm. And I think that in order to truly use the term team as in a meaningful way, 
you have to make a conscious commitment to be a team. It's mm. not just a group of people who work together. And they think they're a team and they call themselves a team. But until you have made the commitment to be a team, have developed what you believe are the behaviors and the um, functions of your team, and then make the commitment to hold one another accountable to fulfill those functions and obligations that you have decided that's how your team's going to function, mm -hmm. then you're not really a team. And that's very much part of the corporate culture that you're building and developing. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. Um, those are really good points. I'm going to take us in a little bit of a different direction. I've got sort of a myriad of questions. So um, when I worked with you in Parksville, you at that point held the role of, of Chief Administrative Officer, CAO. Um, so I'm just intrigued. I've been told by another CAO at a, a different organization that part of the role of CAO is to be able to be a buffer between either a council or a board and the staff. And that would also include the teams working with an organization. Do you agree with this? Do, do you agree with that, that thought? Not 100%. Um, the CAO is the council's only employee. Right. So in that sense, they're the ones that have the direct involvement back and forth with the council. Right. And they're the ones who bring the council's directives um, to the rest of the organization. However, um, just as an example, we're all familiar with the adage, we have to do more with less. Yes. Because, <laughs> because we, um, we work for the public and the public pay through their taxes and user fees for everything that we do, um, we have to be extremely conscious of how we're spending money. But when you're the CAO, you're not an expert in everything. Mm -hmm. You need the people who are working within the organization, whether it's in the engineering department or the planning department or the finance department, to contribute their knowledge to creating the plan that you need to work within the, the requirements of council. Right. And I believe that people are more engaged in what they're doing when their voices are heard and they have a say in what you're doing. So rather than sort of from the top down saying, okay, council's decided we have to cut the budget by 3%, here's what we're gonna cut. Hmm. I believe that it's more effective to bring that to the various departments and say, okay, we have to cut 3%. So where do you see us cutting it? Where do you see, where do we get the most bang for the buck in what you do? Mm -hmm. What has the most beneficial impact on the community in what you do? Mm -hmm. And let's work together. You know, it may get filtered up through the um, hierarchy, right? but the people who are on the ground need a say in that because they're the ones that have to carry it out at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And that certainly feels more team, you know, the way you describe mm -hmm. it. Yes. Um, they, those are the realities, you know, there are going to be changing mandates and directives and, you know, feeling a part of, of um, moving forward with those. Yes. Um, yeah. People, people who have been doing a job for X number of years have really good ideas about what works and what doesn't. 
And as a CAO, there's a really good chance that you've never done that job. You may yeah. in theory understand how it works. Yeah. Yeah. But you don't know how it rolls out in reality on a day-to-day -day basis. And mm -hmm. they do. And that's a really valuable resource yeah. for everybody. Oh, absolutely. I'm glad I asked the question. So, of course, within our organizations, when we talk team, there are a whole bunch of different team structures. You know, you've got um, departmental, you've got senior management team, you have project teams. And then there's all the informal cross-organizational teams that by the function of what they do end up having to work, um, you know, um, clerks working with bylaws, uh, operations working with engineering. Um, and those departments often have um, different cultures, you know, operations from the clerk's department as, as just an example. For, from your experience, the reality that those cultures might be different, um, what have you found the impact of that to be on both those working relationships and also on the broader corporate culture um, in the organizations that you've worked within? Well, you see, to me, that's where the corporate culture becomes key. Mm. Because the corporate culture sets the overarching um, functionality of the organization. So first and foremost, the corporate culture has to support teams and has to value teams, regardless of what kind of teams there are. Because as you've rightly pointed out, there are various layers of teams throughout an organization, mm -hmm. from the small work groups that go out and, and work together, from the interdepartmental work groups and special project work groups and on and on. Mm -hmm. and on. So if there is an overarching, um, corporate culture and environment that supports team function, mm -hmm. that has worked with the people in the organization to create what that overarching function looks like, Right. then when people move across departments or work on special projects, they understand the fundamentals. Their team within their department may function somewhat differently, but they understand the fundamentals of what to expect in other departments because the overarching um, creation has happened under the guise of the corporate culture. That makes a lot of sense. So it's like, yeah. Yeah. So like when you talk about core values as part of the corporate culture, exactly. you know, it's, it's how we expect to talk, to speak with one another and how conflict is resolved. Um, there's a, a common language. Yes, that, that's right. Yeah. And I mean, within your own team, you may have decided on a particular way of communicating with one another and holding each other accountable, and that's fine. Mm -hmm. But when you start to interact with other departments, you have that corporate culture to guide how you're doing it inter yeah, interdepartmentally. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, thank you. I know that um, looking at working within a department, I had the opportunity of working with a group that I, I use the word that we literally hummed. Mm -hmm. Like it was just an awesome experience. We worked so effectively together. Um, you built that caliber of team at the uh, city of Burnaby, just using one example, uh, when you were the city clerk there. Mm 
Um, how did you accomplish that? Uh, I know a little bit about, about that part of your, your employment history. And um, I, I know it was a process that you, you went through with the team to create that. Um, and what did it feel like when it was in place? Well, it was the best feeling ever when it was in place, but it took a lot to get there. So I inherited a department that had some fairly dysfunctional components to it. Not everything was dysfunctional, but there certainly were some fairly important aspects of it that were difficult to deal with in interpersonal relationships and working together and these sorts of things. Mm -hmm. And I was... The, the organization itself did not have a defined culture. It was sort of left up to departments. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have anything there to go back to and embrace and, and follow through. And I was kind of at my wits end when I went to a conference and lo and behold, there was a fellow there talking about team building. So I attended the session and someone actually asked the question, what do you do when your organization doesn't support the teamwork? Mm but that you are working in a dysfunctional environment where you need that. And he said, instead of trying to fix the whole, just work on your sphere of influence. Ooh. So if you have a department, then work on the department. And I, the light bulb just went off. And <laughs> I was like, well, why? That sounds so simple. Why mm -hmm. didn't I think of that? Mm -hmm. um, and so, that's exactly what I did. I started researching to find consultants and can find people to help with that process. And I did. I had a couple of very good professional coaches and they came in and it wasn't easy because, you know, there's the stages of, of team development where you've got the forming and nor storming and norming and performing and we seem to get stuck in storming for an <laughs> awfully long time yeah. to the point where after a year I thought have I done the wrong thing have I completely blown up this department and so it came down to a session with all of the employees in the department and it was are we going to carry on with this you know are we going to do this work yeah or are we going to just say, forget it, and we're going to live with this dysfunctional, dysfunctional environment for the however long we're here? And people actually said, we want to do it. I would say about 80% of the people said they wanted to do it. So you, you had a courageous conversation with, with the team about it what was, you were observing? It was a very courageous conversation, <laughs> and it was uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And not everybody was happy with it. But at the end of the day, it's those uncomfortable conversations that get to the root of the resistance. Mm -hmm. that lets people make that breakthrough they need to get to the next step. And I'm not saying that it's perfect. And I'm not saying everybody will come on board. Because mm -hmm. frankly, there are some people who just aren't team players. They like to stir the pot. They like to create drama. And they seem to feed off that kind of behavior. But what I found was that when the rest, when the majority of the people working in that environment want to create their team, those people either leave mm. or the rest of the 
team through, you know, nothing more than basic peer pressure brings them to be accountable or their behavior gets to the point where you give them some help in finding something different to do. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes, unfortunately, that ends up being necessary. It is. Um, and sometimes you can do that positively. Sometimes people realize that they're in the wrong place doing the wrong job mm -hmm. and they decide to move on. And in, in creating that, did you find that there were other departments that saw what was happening and okay. that you ended up being a positive influence on, on that help, like the ripple effect of? Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, because not ev everybody saw it, what was happening. Mm -hmm. And depending on the level of the organization, people who were sort of in the, in that, that worker strata within the organization, that middle strata, they were almost jealous of the employees in the department who got to do it. And I, my phone was ringing quite regularly with people from other areas of the organization going, I've heard what you're doing. And I really <laughs> like, and do you have any openings? Can I come and work in your department? Yeah, because that's it's, the kind of environment we want to work with them. Exactly. People want to work in an environment where they're engaged, where their, um, their information, where you seek their opinion. Mm -hmm. where they're free to give their opinion, where they're free to disagree, and where you promote growth, yeah. personal growth, career growth, all of those things. And so I had no trouble with recruiting and recruiting really good people. The other departments in the hall weren't quite as open to what I was doing. Mm -hmm. You know, there would be comments like, oh, well, you know, my department's too big to do that. Or they would say, well, I don't really think that that makes that big of a difference. And, oh, well, I don't have the time. You must have a lot of time on your hands because I don't have the time to do that. You know, basically they put roadblocks in their own path mm -hmm. rather than explore what the options were and how they could make it work. Yeah. They were happier just saying, oh, no, no, we're not doing that in our department. So it turned out to be that we were the only department in the hall that did it. And it certainly probably would have been a different journey for you um, had there been that um, a defined corporate culture, because even when we don't define our corporate cultures, they exist. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just um, people find them out by um, osmosis as opposed to it being uh, something that you can actually work positively with. Well, you know, it, it takes money and I certainly didn't get any additional budget. Um, and when I went to my boss the first time and said, um, this is, you know, these are the problems that I've got. This is how I think we need to address them and what I think we need to do to fix them. And so this is what um, my plan is. And his response is, well, go ahead and do it, but just don't tell anybody else what you're doing. <laughs> oh, our organizations are crazy. Yeah. You know, and, and when we first started, we would take a whole day away from the office so that we could focus on this. 
and I would bring in auxiliary staff to man the phones and to, to do, you know. Yeah, to keep, keep have, the place running. Yeah. Keep the place running. That's right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I said to him, I said, don't you think people will notice that there's nobody in the department? You would hope so. <laughs> and he said, well, we'll worry about that later. <laughs> Which was kind of funny. But, um, but at the end of the day, it was such a great feeling. People were happy coming yeah. to work every day. Yeah. People were engaged. And, you know, we provided them with training. And some of those people have made leaps and bounds in their careers. Yeah. And, and they've, you know, been promoted and got more senior positions and um, well, there's, there's lots of research that engaged, happy employees, you know, that the, the service level that's provided to the clients, whether that's internal or external clients, mm -hmm. uh, goes up exponentially. Like mm -hmm. it's just such a win-win. Yeah. Just, I want to follow up on, so you championed that, yeah. um, uh, the work that you did in, in building team within within um, clerks how when the champion moves along if that ever happens what's required to keep that all of what's been created and built to maintain and sustain all the hard work in this case that you had done to create that and i don't know whether in your example you know, because I know that you ended up leaving from the city of Burnaby and 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 went to the city of, of um, and went to Parksville. Mm -hmm. um, can it can it continue without the champion? Well, it's very difficult for it to continue without the champion. But I think, and quite frankly, it didn't continue after I left. But I think one of those issues, one of the issues why it didn't was because there never was a corporate culture that established that as something that was valued within the organization. That would have and, an impact. And I, I want to say that's what it was when I was there. Now, I haven't been there for 10 years, so things could mm -hmm. be completely different. But it became very, very challenging for people. They tried to continue. Yep. But the person that came in and replaced me didn't believe in it. That, and and that's some of the corp, the change that... Yeah. yeah and, that... and I think that if the organization had promoted and valued that kind of function, that yeah. it would have been different. Yeah. Because that would have been something they would be looking for in a replacement. Whereas it, I don't think there was even questions about it on the interview. Uh, and that's a nice, yeah, that's a nice segue actually to the next question I wanted to ask, because I know at the uh, city of Parksville um, personnel in last month's podcast, we talked about the use of personality profiles. Mm -hmm. And I know that the city of Parksville does that right across the organization. Um, 
do you have any thoughts on how those are useful when you're doing um, sort of the determination of you know who the right individuals are for the organization and and particularly for the teams that that they're going to be joining um, and corporate culture um, well i think that they provide a foundation mm. i think people work together better when their skill sets are complementary and um, they understand what each person brings to the table. Mm -hmm. In Parksville, we use the personal profile system that uses colors. So you had a red, um, a blue, a yellow, and a green. And just as an example, um, I'm a red primarily. I mean, so you're, just you're all, red, red's has, being dominant. So yes. just everybody other people. All the colors. Yeah. Yeah. For me, red is dominant and blue, which is a highly detailed person, mm -hmm. for me is at the bottom of the list. Now, if you go into finance, you will find that primarily the people in that area had very high blue. Mm -hmm. Because of course that requires a great deal of detail. Right. So the red part of me says, you know, be bright, be brief, be gone. <laughs> the blue part of the finance people is I want detail and I want all the detail and, mm -hmm. and give me nothing but detail. Once you understand that, you are far less frustrated when you have to deal with somebody who is that orientation. Because now you have an understanding. You need those details because you know, you are a dominant blue and that's within that configuration. So when I would interact with people in the finance department, I did it with that in mind. And when yes. they interacted with me, they tried to tamp down those tendencies <laughs> because that wasn't my strong point. And, and I know with the, the, the use in Parksville was, is just understanding people's different communication styles and their 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 sort of first go to and how they would approach and how they um, so it was and I think just making sure when you're dealing with your teams that you've got in the fault the full you know if you're a if you're somebody who doesn't like detail then on the team there's got to be somebody who will do the detail and and that that's their strength and when Tracy was talking about it it's like really emphasizing people's strengths and then not not stereotyping but just using it as one more of the the pieces of the puzzle when we're dealing with one another well exactly because everybody has all four colors yeah it's just a matter of degrees per color yes, yes. so you know we can and and sometimes like um there was one person who was in a leadership position but um, the red wasn't very strong. And so one of that person's challenges, personal challenges that they took on was to do things to enhance the red. Yes. Just, you know, as their own sort of personal growth goal. Yeah. And so that awareness of one another and the awareness of how we communicate, because the other key thing in being a high functioning team is the ability to communicate with one another. 
And one of the things that we actually did in, in uh, Burnaby was that everybody in the department wrote out how they wanted to be communicated with. So some people want it, you know, just give it to me straight. Mm -hmm. One, tell me what you're thinking. Don't worry about my feelings. Other people are a lot more sensitive and it's, okay, you need to couch this in nice terms. You need to talk to me in a way that's sensitive to my feelings. Once you know that within your team, it allows you to have difficult conversations if they're necessary, but do so in a way that isn't antagonistic and doesn't get somebody back up. Mm -hmm. Because when the communication is respectful, then it is far more successful between either two people or three people or within a work group, you know, because you've got the foundation of understanding where people are coming from. And now you have an understanding of their preferred communication style. And so now you've got the building blocks to really create a high functioning team, provided everybody's committed and willing to be part of a team. Yeah, yeah. And so those are, those are really critical components um, in your experience of building a team. You've talked about um, how it's helpful to have a corporate culture that's actually supportive mm -hmm. of building teams. Um, just as we're, we're starting to bring this to a close, are there other aspects of, of, of what you've seen necessary in, in creating those wow teams that we all want to work, work within? that perhaps we've not talked about? Well, you know, just actually to reiterate some of the things that we've talked about and build on those, um, you need the corporate culture. So when you're working in local government, the council sets the tone. So it would be helpful if the CAO can get the council on board. Now, I was very fortunate with the council I worked with in Parksville. They wanted to be an employer of choice, recognizing that they didn't have a lot of the financial um, background to be able to pay really high wages. Mm -hmm. We mm -hmm. were, you know, fairly middle of the road. Yeah. Somewhat on the low side for a time there. So, and in studies that have been done, money is not the biggest driver for people. Mm -hmm. So let's create the environment that supports those things that, that do drive people mm -hmm. to work. So employee engagement, um, communication, everybody knows what's going on. So that's a, real, that's a key component to building a long-term sustainable team and that's where your corporate culture becomes really strong is when you have not just the operational support but the political support yeah you've, that's you've, important too. you've talked about you know that you'd you'd made the time to enable your team to actually have some 
uh, time away from their their normal work responsibilities so that you can really focus your attention. You've also talked about, um, you know, the uh, the training, you know, um, you've talked about um, a, a number of other pieces as well that have contributed to how and the, the champion being critical of having somebody who is the um, yeah, that just dealing with the obstacles as they come to, you know, to keep, keep the vibrancy. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, I, and, and all of that, then being in place, you're able to buffer the, the changes that happen in every organization. Cause you're, you, you have the, as you say, the foundation um, to have those difficult conversations, to be able to talk about what's happening. Um, and we didn't talk a lot about communication. But communication is also key to success in this. Mm -hmm. And it's not just the communication between the people in a specific work group, but it's also communication to the organization as a whole. In local government, you often have disparate work sites. You know, you've got a fire department, you've got um, a works yard, you've got a parks facility. And so you've got people working in different pockets around the community. So communicating with all of those pockets um, so that everybody has a sense of what's going on and they don't have to read something in the local paper and go, mm. oh, so that's what we're doing next month. And so that communication piece is vital within the work teams, communication between management, communication between supervisors, and communication with the organization as a whole. And whether that's through twice yearly meetings, a monthly newsletter, I mean, we've used all of those um, ways of disseminating information to people. And also, um, an important component to that is listening. Yeah. And some of some of those, the hows, will yeah. be dictated by the culture. You That's know, in operations, you know, I know trying to communicate via computer didn't work because the the team was out in the field all day. Mm -hmm. You know, and and many were not comfortable using technology, and just um, you know. And one of the things that I found really interesting is the level of fear people have around job security. Mm. And so. People sometimes are afraid to make a mistake because there's a culture of blame. So the first thing people do is look for who can we blame for this mistake instead of saying, okay, a mistake's happened. What's the best way to rectify it? Mm -hmm. Let's learn from it and let's move on. And if you can create that sense of security in people, so you've got people who are engaged, who are listened to, who are free to have express an opinion respectfully within mm, yes. the confines <laughs> of how the team defines that. Yeah. And then have a, an organization that supports creativity so that people are not afraid to be innovative. They're not afraid to be creative for fear of making a mistake. Mm -hmm. I don't know who it, who it was that said it, 
it might have been Warren Buffett or somebody else, that they failed their way to success. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I'm not advocating people failing every day, but yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I'm also not talking about that person who refuses to learn and and take shortcuts and makes mistakes. Yeah. I don't know, yeah. because that's a whole other issue. Yeah. But within the team, if people are encouraged to be creative, to be innovative, and are listened to, and when feedback is necessary, that feedback's given, well, you know what? We look really closely at your idea, but here's one of the reasons why we don't think that we can move forward with it. Yeah. So that people know that they haven't just spoken into a void. Yeah. You know, it's all about that relationship and it's about caring about the people. The people that you have in your organization are your greatest asset. I often said that the most important person in the organization was the person on the front desk because that's the first person anybody meets coming into mm -hmm. the office. Mm -hmm. And that person can set the tone for every other interaction they have with any other person for the rest of their time. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure you, like I, have, have um, bumped, bumped into people in those positions, and uh, that ended up being our impression of those organizations. Mm -hmm. yeah. Absolutely. And you kind of knew through that individual likely what it was like to work in those organizations you know and that's certainly what i encourage people to be paying attention to those signals um when considering working for organizations is um you know what does it look like do people look like they're enjoying what they're doing um because you know we communicate so um the vast majority of our communication is through our body language um it's not what the organizations say who they are it's it's what what people actually observe yes yeah so yeah. i was going to ask you for tips of wisdom and further thoughts and and you just keep keep giving us more and i'm sure that you aren't the only one listening to debbie thinking oh why did you retire <laughs> <laughs> i want to come and work for you <laughs> yeah. um this has been fabulous and uh, I just, I, I know how lovely it's been um, just hearing um, how you created uh, what I've observed in, in the small time that I was working for the city of Parksville. And, and uh, I just, I loved when you just, it was like, well, oh, let me talk about teams. I, that's just something that I'm really passionate about. And that's obvious in, in listening to you. Well, I, I am. And I wasn't always that way until I saw what they could do yeah and saw the rewards to doing the work and it is work and it takes commitment and it takes time but the rewards for not just yourself or your organization but for everybody involved the rewards are tremendous yeah i i too have an opportunity of of um working for just a wow team and it makes such a difference Mm -hmm. um, and I hope that you as the listener are already in that situation that you are already working for a wow team. Um, and if not, um, some nuggets from Debbie as to things to consider and things to look at, uh, in, in creating that, because if you 
aren't currently an overseer of people, um, I know that you likely aspire to be that and and listening to what's worked effectively um, is 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 part of your learning. Debbie, I so appreciate you making the time to to be with us here today. Um, I'm certain that uh, everyone listening has gotten something that they can take away from from um, your wisdom and your experience. Um, if you're interested in connecting with Debbie, her information is on the uh, the podcast, uh, wherever your social media platform is, uh, with the descriptor of this program. She can also be reached at Debbie Comis, D-E-B-B-I-E. C-O-M-I-S at telus.net. We really hope that you found today's session interesting and fun to listen to. We certainly had a, a couple of giggles, even though it's a serious topic. If you have, um, please consider signing up for the podcast series, HR Inside Out, Demystifying HR and People Management on your favorite social media platform. Um, and for leaving a review so that others might benefit from the series. Again, if you wish to connect with either of us, the contact information is on the podcast description on the social media platform. I will be back next week with another interesting guest. I hope you'll join me again as you guessed it. You dare to soar. Susan and Debbie signing out. Thanks again for being with us today. And thank you again, Debbie. You're welcome, Susan. It was my pleasure. Bye, everybody. Well, we've reached our destination for today. Time to lower those wheels and prepare for landing. Thank you for joining me. If I said something that resonated with you, please subscribe to the podcast and to share it with others. It would be awesome if you also took the time to provide a review, whatever your favorite social media sites are. If you have a question or an area that you hope I'll cover in a future session, please send me a note either to my website, www.effectingchangefromwithin.com or to my email, susangenay at gmail.com. I look forward to our next time together. In the meantime, soar high. I believe you can. Susan signing off. Thanks again for joining me.